Are you ready to go to the Word today? Turn to our master text today in Romans chapter 12, and we're continuing the series Greater Grace, how to walk in greater levels of God's grace and favor. So Romans chapter 3, and while you're turning there, let me just give you a few preliminary thoughts. You know, this teaching today is not only going to help us to spot telltale signs of pride, but it'll just also provide some very wise principles for living a life that's uh, happier and more fruitful. And it'll also help us to uh, not be the butt of other people's jokes when we're out of earshot. Okay? And these principles will actually help uh, you to endear yourself to people, actually. Now, having said that, I mentioned last week, this is a key thought, that humility is not just a list of things that you do, but humility is actually a condition of the heart, right? See, you can take this teaching today and adjust, uh, adjust some things in your behavior, and that's good, and that'll help you, but unless you get beyond the outward actions and deal with the heart issues of pride, then just making a few outward adjustments, as good as that is, I'm not diminishing that, but just making a few outward adjustments will only go so far because eventually that insidious pride is going to sneak up on you again and reveal itself yet again because the Bible tells us that out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So sometimes our mouths betray us, right? Even when we're trying to be careful. What's in your heart is going to come out your mouth eventually. And that's why, by the way, that the wilderness experiences that we sometimes walk through will help to burn some of that pride out of our lives and make us more humble people if we respond to those things properly and appropriately. But once again, as I also said uh, last week, I think it was, you don't have to learn all your lessons the hard way. That's why God gave us his word, praise God. Now, by the way, the title of this teaching today uh, borrows from the, uh, you might be a redneck if... Uh, concept of listing things that implicate a person. Um, so that's how we're going to handle this teaching today by calling it, You Might Be Prideful If. So let's go ahead and read that master text in Romans chapter 12, verses 3 through 10. Stand with me and let's honor the reading of God's holy, majestic word. The Apostle Paul is writing to the Roman Christians here and he says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers, I'm sorry, that's not verse 3. Let me start in verse 3. Sorry. Uh, Verses 1 and 2 are great, too. Um, Verse 3 says, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do, uh, do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, who are many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously." If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. 
Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. And all God's people say, Amen. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. Praise God. Well, before I give you the various telltale signs of pride, you know, the you might be prideful if list, let me say that it, it certainly is a sign of pride if you don't think you have a problem in this area. Because everyone, folks, has various levels of pride that we need to deal with, and we need to be willing to do just that, deal with them, no matter how small we think our particular area of pride is. You see, if you have to hint to other people that you're humble, for example, it's probably not true. probably got an issue with pride there because humility never draws attention to itself, you see, as we've talked about in past teachings in this series so far. So let's go ahead and talk about you might be prideful if, beginning with this one right here, you might be prideful if you have to always be right and have difficulty apologizing or admitting that you're wrong. Now, I think that all of us would be in agreement in this room that no one likes a know-it-all. But pride wants to seem like the most knowledgeable person in the room and loves to display its knowledge. As a matter of fact, there's a very hard-hitting proverb that relates to that point. Proverbs 12.23 says, The prudent, which is another word for wise, The prudent keep their knowledge to themselves. In other words, they just don't display it all the time for the sake of trying to impress someone. So the prudent keep their knowledge to themselves, but a fool's heart blurts out folly. In other words, someone just has to like display their knowledge. That's folly, the Bible says, because that's that's motivated by pride. See, Another characteristic here is is pride will also go to great lengths to make sure that people know it wasn't me who was wrong, but it was the other person, right? And if there's the slightest error in what someone says, pride will jump at the chance to correct that. But humility, on the other hand, will let the other person talk, even if the hearer, even if you already know everything about what that other person is saying, or if maybe that other person doesn't have all their facts exactly correct. So why not just let him or her have their say? You know, maybe being able to talk about something they know a little bit about is therapeutic for that person. Why would you want to ruin that? And some people might say, well, you know, if there's an incorrect statement, wouldn't you want to correct that? Well, If it's an issue of improper biblical doctrine that's potentially going to harm that person, then yeah, probably so. But if it's something of no consequence, why bother? See, there's people that get so worked up about the silliest little things. They get worked up about uh, correcting each other about sports statistics, for goodness sake, or something else that has a very high who cares factor. (laughs) right? Okay, there's a time and a place, folks, for those types of things to just let those things go and let the other person think they're smart. There's nothing wrong with that. And if they have to be corrected on it at some point, well, let some other prideful person do that, not you. 
okay? You know, if you're, if you're in a friendly exchange of ideas with someone, you know, something that's very endearing to say when you're having a little friendly debate with someone is this. You know, that's a really good point. I hadn't thought about that. You know, that's really endearing. Because it shows that you're a person who's flexible, that you're teachable. And people like that in a person. Which leads us to our next point. Our next, you might be prideful if... You are not teachable. You are not teachable. You might be prideful if you're not teachable, like that T-shirt that says, be teachable. You aren't always right. Be open. And our scripture reference there is Proverbs 13.10, which says, where there is strife, there is pride. But wisdom is found in those who take advice. Or in other words, they're teachable. So not listening to someone, or worse yet, resisting someone who's trying to teach you something is another very clear and obvious form and sign of pride. See, having a teachable heart is one very important trait of humility, folks. And, by the way, it makes other people more prone to want to listen to you when you have something to say because they know that you respect them. Does that make sense? You see, whether you think you're more knowledgeable than the other person who's trying to teach you or whether you do uh, legitimately know more about what's being said already, make sure to nevertheless show respect by listening attentively and not trying to cut him or her off or trying to argue your counterpoints in a very combative way. See, that's the way love operates. That's the way humility operates, okay? And it's also, by the way, really good social graces. If you want people to like you, don't be combative. See, there have been numerous times in my own life, folks, where I was so sure that I knew something absolutely, and then a few years go by, and I cringe now at how dogmatic I was before because, you know, I see some things differently now. I learned, I grew. And it makes me embarrassed now to think back at how stubborn I was. I imagine there were a lot of people behind my back deriding me and going, can you believe that guy? (laughs) Right? Um, So always be open to the possibility that you might be wrong in certain situations because you never know, you might be. And then if you dig in your heels and you're super dogmatic about it and then you're proven wrong later, now you got egg on your face. So always be open to the possibility. As a matter of fact, if you're in a conversation with someone and you're laying out your opinion, you could actually preface it by saying something like this. You know what? I might be wrong. I often am. But can I give you my perspective on that? Rather than hammering the point home and trying to ram it down their gullet, right? Because that never works. Hallelujah. Um, So Folks, there are certain hills that you should be willing to die on, as that old saying goes. There are certain things that you should be willing to take a stand on. Like, for example, um, the centrality of the gospel is that salvation comes by grace alone through faith through Jesus Christ. That Jesus is the Son of God, the only way to salvation. That's the centrality of of our faith. I will fight for that truth till the day I die. Okay? But there's other hills that you ought to just be willing to pass on. 
And when it comes to biblical things as an example, you know, end times prophecy as an example is not a hill I'm willing to die on because there are so many different interpretations on end time prophecy. There's some very smart people out there that claim that they are experts on the subject and they all have different opinions. And, you know, I describe myself as a pan-millennialist. I just believe that it's all going to pan out in the end. So I am not... So that's not a hill I'm willing to die on. I'm not going to go toe-to-toe with you on end times prophecy. But when it comes to other things that I think are super important, there are certain hills I am willing to die on, so to speak, that there's certain things we ought to just be willing to pass on. Okay, that's what you believe. Hallelujah, praise God, go for it. I have a slightly different opinion, but I don't know that it's right, so, you know, whatever. Uh, So there's certain certain situations, certain arguments, uh, Debates that we ought to just be willing to say, hey, God bless you, you know, whatever, um, and just pass on that and not get into an argument about it, right? All right, let's move on here. Thirdly, you might be prideful if you avoid associating with ordinary or unpopular. You avoid associating with the ordinary or unpopular. And our scripture reference for this is Romans 12, 16, which says, Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, which is another word for prideful. Uh, Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. So whenever you go to a social event of some sort, which kind of people do you usually want to sit with? Uh, when a person immediately looks for the table where the elite people sit, or if he or she thinks that they only deserve uh, professionals or um, you know, first-class citizens as their friends, that's clearly a sign of being prideful. Or if they avoid hanging out with the, quote, lowly-level people, that's clearly a sign of being prideful. That's not the heart of Christ. So, To deal with that attitude and to get rid of it, let's remember to be equal in the way that we treat everyone, okay? So make friends not according to social status, friends, but according to the way that God sees people. See, the Bible tells us that uh, man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. God looks on the heart. That's the way we need to be as well, okay? So outward trappings should be of no consequence to us one way or the other. See, in fact, it was the outcasts of society that Jesus was attracted to the most, and he was the hardest on the prideful, high-minded elitists of that time, right? So another command for us from James 2.1 is do not show favoritism, period. Do not show favoritism. In fact, when you're in a social situation, a person who's trying to emulate Jesus will, on purpose, look for the so-called lowly people in the room, the wallflowers, the quiet, the shy people who no one is engaging. They'll look for the lowly people and go hang out with them. See, if you want to WWJD, what would Jesus do? That's what Jesus would do. That's what he did very clearly when he was in his earthly ministry. So we need to remember that. Praise God. I'm not sure that the Church of Jesus Christ in modern-day America is really great at that. We still suffer from that. Oh, I want to hang out with the 
elitist people mentality. That's not the heart of the Lord. Treat everyone the same. Don't, I mean, don't, don't shun the, you know, the rich, cool, elitist people either. I mean, we need to treat everyone on equal plane, right? Hallelujah. All right, let's push on here. You might be prideful if you are fond of name dropping. And uh, I like this graphic here. A um, girl talking on the phone, rolling her eyes at the person on the other end who's saying, I was just telling the Queen of England the other day how much I hate name dropping. <laughs> so people who have a habit of talking about their connections with influential, rich, or famous personalities, that's a form and a sign of pride. See, bragging about being connected with such people makes a person feel more important I suppose, but I'm just going to tell you, many people are annoyed with hearing about a person's connections all the time. You know, I can honestly say that I have never come away from a conversation with someone who was name-dropping, being more impressed with that person. As a matter of fact, it usually has the opposite effect. So tell yourself this truth right here. As a matter of fact, I want you to repeat this with me. I'm going to say it one time, they're going to repeat it together because I want you to get this in your head, okay? And the truth is this right here, no one cares who I know. Okay? Let's say this together. Here we go. No one cares who I know. As a matter of fact, let me uh, tag onto the end of that. Um, what they care about is if I care about them. Let's say that together. What they care about is if they, they care about them. Sorry, I messed it up. You got it right. Let's, let's, let's try it again for my sake and yours. What they care about is if I care about them. Hallelujah. We need to get that right there because, you know, here's the deal. You know, this pride thing, um, it stems so often from insecurity. That's what it is. And that's why people name drop and do those sorts of things, because they feel like it'll make them feel more important and impress people because they're insecure. I only know, seriously, I only know just a handful of people who are truly pompous, who just believe they're so much better than everybody else. I know only a handful of people that I would put in that category. Most other people that display these outward signs of pride, they're simply compensating for a shriveled self-esteem. That's what they're doing. And it comes out as very prideful with these types of things. Okay? Let me give you another one. You might be prideful if it's difficult for you to rejoice with other people's successes. Now, that graphic on the screen I have there of that young lady hugging her friend with that smirk on her face. And she says, good for you, hon. But in her, but in her thought, she's saying, as if you actually deserve it, loser. Right? Isn't that the way some people are? They can't rejoice with other people's successes because it makes them feel less in their own eyes. And they're jealous of that other person's success. So let's go to the Bible. Romans 12, 15. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Now, I'll give you an example of this. Um, many years ago, when Donna and I bought our first house. It was our first house that we built. We had lived in two different apartments prior to this, but this was our first house. And it wasn't anything extravagant, but it was a, a huge step up for us. And we invited some friends over that we'd known for a long time. 
And um, there was two different responses with, between the husband and the wife. So we gave them the little tour. And again, it wasn't, it wasn't a mansion or anything. I think we had, I don't know, 25, 2,700 square feet. Uh, nothing, nothing huge, but it was a big step up for us. And a little bit larger, maybe, than what our friend's house was at the time. So this couple came over, and we were giving them the tour. And the husband was just, he was so enthusiastic about every little detail of the house, the blinds. He was like, oh, that's really cool. Oh, I love that. Oh, that's a wonderful feature. I mean, he was so enthusiastic. And you know what that did for us? That made our opinion of him go up about 10 notches. But his wife had a very different response. She walked around that house completely silent. Not one compliment, not one ooh, ah, anything like that. Um, it, she seemed almost sullen and withdrawn. And I went, wow, okay, maybe she's feeling a little bit, I don't know, like maybe she should be the one that's getting this. I don't know what was going through mine. But the points in her love bank, in our love bank for her, went down about 10 notches after that. Okay, so rejoice with those who rejoice and be willing to weep with those who weep. If you are not able to rejoice with those who are doing better than you, that's a pride issue. Listen, here's the way to overcome that. Just say, praise God. Thank God. He's he's good to you. I'm next in line. There you go. I'm next in line. Hallelujah. And and let me tell you this. If you can't rejoice with people that are doing better than you, um, you're probably not going to get to their level. Because God blesses generous and thankful and enthusiastic hearts that rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Praise God. I think we're getting some help this morning. Next one. You might be prideful if you think you are above doing menial jobs. All right. So remember, Jesus washed people's feet, folks. He washed people's feet. So our passage here is Philippians 2, verses 5 through 7. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. In other words, he didn't have to go around telling people, I'm the Son of God. He let his works do the talking. Okay, now he did say that from time to time, but it wasn't something he just went trumpeted. In fact, a lot of times people would say, you're the son of God. He said, don't tell anybody. Um, and don't tell anybody what you just received. Don't tell anybody about this particular healing. Why? He was trying to stay under the radar so that he could go into a populated city and have a lot of impact there and do a lot of works there in a populated city. But some of those people didn't obey that instruction. They went out and proclaimed it everywhere. And as a result, he couldn't go into the bigger, more populated cities without being swamped. So he's trying to lay low. Okay? So that was the, that was the motivation for it there. So listen, if you think that you're so high, your, your position, position is so high that, you know, you can't, you know, pick up trash or help clean up or serve others, that's definitely pride. So don't let entitlement, folks, make you feel that, like that you're more important than other people. Great people, as a matter of fact, are not afraid to serve. They're not above serving. In fact, Jesus said that a willingness to serve is a requirement for being great in his kingdom. 
me say that again. Jesus said that, a, that being willing to serve is a requirement for being great in his kingdom. So I just gave you six principles there. You might be prideful if that you can take. And um, actually, if you do the right thing when it comes to those principles, it can actually endear you to people okay, and put you on the road to success. But now we're going to talk about ways to combat pride. If you noticed that there's some pride in your life in this series that we've been doing and this teaching that we're doing this morning, we're going to talk about some really brief principles on how to combat that. First one is this, be a good finder and build others up. Find the good in people. Don't just pick apart what they're doing wrong. Don't focus in on that. Be a good finder and, and find people doing something good and congratulate them for that and build them up. Ephesians 4.29 says, let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building up the one in need and bringing grace to those who listen. Do you notice the language there? <clears throat> Focusing on not tearing somebody down, but building them up, being a help to them. That's what the goal is. So I want to remind you of this truth right here. In fact, this is a truth we all need to remind ourselves of on a regular basis, and that's this. In the kingdom... It's not about me. It's not about me. God put you on this earth to be a benefit to mankind. And so therefore, it's not about you. And as a matter of fact, when you make it all about you, paradoxically, peace and security and happiness will elude you. And likewise, paradoxically, if you make it about other people and serve them, Strangely enough, peace and security and the joy of the Lord will be yours. But you have to forget yourself. I think it was Charles Spurgeon who said that self is the worst enemy of the Christian. Self is the worst enemy of the Christian. So be a good finder and seek to build others up. Because that's what you want people to do for you. When somebody builds you up and encourages you, you feel so good about that. Well, pass that encouragement on to other people, and it'll come back to you because everything's sowing and reaping, isn't it? All right, here's another principle on how to deal with our pride. Give others the kind of attention and respect you would like for yourself. Okay, and I think you probably know what scripture reference I'm about to show you on this one. Matthew 7, 12, uh, the so-called golden rule which says, do to others what you would like them to do to you. This is the essence of all that is taught in the law and the prophets. In other words, if you do this principle right here, if you do to others what you would like them to do to you, automatically you're going to fulfill all the law and the prophets because in that endeavor, doing to others the way that you would want to be done to you, you're not going to steal from them. You're not going to lie about them. You're not going to slander them. Because why? Because you don't want those things done to you. So you're not going to do it to other people. So you automatically are fulfilling the law and the prophets when you live by that simple principle right there. 
And I also want to say this about that. This also initiates the process of sowing and reaping in a very good and positive way. You know, sowing and reaping works in both directions, doesn't it? It can either work for you or it can work against you. Sowing and reaping is a universal principle that God has built into the fabric of the universe and the world and, and life on this earth. And we want it to be working for us, not against us. So, you know, if you've sowed some seeds earlier in your life that you're now reaping because you now sowing and reaping is working against you, the beautiful thing about God's kingdom is you can turn that around and begin sowing different seeds and begin getting a different harvest. Praise God. Yeah, praise God. All right, let me give you another one. Uh, Another principle of dealing with pride. Let others praise you, never yourself. The Bible is so full of wisdom on this stuff, folks. Um, You know, the book of Proverbs, which you hear me quote a lot, is just a a book of good, sound wisdom to help you to navigate life well. Okay? So Proverbs 27.2 says, Let someone else praise you, not your own mouth, a stranger, not your own lips. And, you know, some people will see a passage like that Let someone else's lips praise you. But they'll still kind of subtly fish for compliments. Don't do that either. Don't fish for compliments. And and when they do come, don't glory in them. Don't bask in them. Right? Be gracious and thankful to the person that's offering the compliment for sure. Make sure that you make it so that they're happy that they complimented you. Be gracious. Say thank you. That's so, so nice of you to say something like that, but don't sit there and just bask in it, okay? Um, but you might even think about deflecting the, te- the attention, if you can, onto that other person and show some appreciation for something that they do or someone else does that helped you to get to that place where this person was complimenting you about this certain thing and maybe acknowledge some of the other people that helped you in that, something like that. Deflect. You know, Be gracious, but then deflect. You know, I was listening to Joyce Meyer talk about this many years ago. And uh, she said, you know, I've gotten to the point in my ministry now where I'm recognized everywhere I go. And uh, when I take the stage, people want to give me these standing ovations. And she said, if I just stood there and basked in that and just let that feed my ego, I wouldn't be able to continue doing what I'm doing. So she's very careful to to not let that go on and on, but she has the people sit down, and then she's very careful to deflect that, not bask in that, give the glory back to God, because she knows that God is the only reason she's doing that in that position in the first place. So you have to be very, very careful not to bask in compliments. You know, Jesus is a great example of this. Jesus knew people's hearts, and he didn't... He didn't bask in people's praise of him because he knew their hearts. He knew that they'd be praising him one day and ready to crucify him the next. And people will be like that with you. They'll take your part one day and they'll oppose you the next. So you have to be understanding of the fact that, look, I can't bask in this because this same person that's praising me right now, they may be talking about me behind my back and smearing my reputation in the community or up in my face giving me a cussing tomorrow. Or, or leave me entirely, you know, without so much as a reason. 
So we have to understand these, this, the fickle human nature and not bask in that. I love what Kenneth Copeland said on this. this he, he said that the Lord told him, don't ever read anything that's printed about you, that's written about you in print, whether good or bad. Don't, don't read it. And so he said, it's going to be in the bottom of a birdcage tomorrow anyway. So whether good or bad, don't believe it one way or the other. Just keep your focus on the Lord. And there's another principle in dealing with um, our pride and, and uh, that kind of relates to this point right here about let others praise you, never yourself. And that's that be okay with laughing at yourself, right? If somebody pokes a little fun at you, don't be offended by that or don't, don't get all huffy about that. If somebody makes a little joke on, you know, at your expense, just say something like, I know, right? And just roll with it. Because how can they hurt you if you're agreeing with them, right? Even if they meant it to intentionally hurt you, if you're laughing it off, they can't hurt you with it anyway. But it's endearing to laugh at yourself sometimes because we all have little quirks that are funny and odd and laughable. And, and if you recognize those things and just are willing to laugh at yourself sometimes, life goes much easier. It goes much easier if, if you are willing to laugh at yourself and not take everything personally all the time. Gosh, I feel like I need to say that again. <laughs> Life goes so much easier if you're just willing to laugh at yourself and go with the flow and not take everything so personally all the time that everybody says and does. Okay? All right. And that icon up on the screen, by the way, has another application as well. And that's this. Be careful, folks, about talking too much. Seriously. Um, you know, I, I try to gauge my conversations and, and uh, feel out the other person as well as feeling out myself. You know, if I find that I'm going off on a tangent, and I can tend to do that from time to time, but if I find that I'm going off on a tangent in a conversation with someone, I'll stop myself and then throw it back to the other person by asking a question. Okay, so if you find that you're the kind of person that's doing 90% of the talking and most of the conversations that you have, you probably need to check your heart. Okay, what is it that makes people dominate conversations? It's pride. And maybe the underlying, um, the underlying motivation there is the insecurity that leads that, to that kind of behavior. Okay. As we talked about already, humility doesn't have to be the center of attention all the time. All right? Now, I love the fact that we're a, we're a community here, we're a family here, that we love fellowship, we love talking to each other, we love hanging out with each other and enjoying conversation. But I'm just talking about if you're the kind of person that dominates a conversation. Look, don't get me wrong, I, I don't want you to come in next Sunday morning and this place be like a mausoleum. <laughs> I'm not looking for that. I love the fun fellowship that we have together. I'm just saying that if you're the kind of person who tends to dominate conversations and talk over people and things of that nature, you need to check your heart because it's a pride issue. Okay? We don't have to be the center of attention all the time. So here's a scripture for you on this one. Oh, uh, uh oh, get ready. Proverbs 10, 19, when words are many, sin is unavoidable, but he who restrains his lips is wise. All right. I think we're making some progress. I can tell by how quiet you are. 
How much time do we got here? Oh, we're doing good on time. Uh, I wondered if we were going to have time to read this passage together, uh, the parable of the, the sheep and the goats of, of um, Jesus in Matthew 25. But I, do, I think we do have the time. So let's go ahead and turn to that, Matthew 25. And this is the, the last principle that we'll talk about today in dealing with pride. And that's serve those who can never pay you back. Serve those who can never pay you back is a great way to deal with pride. And this will be our last principle. Um, And I'll just go ahead and read this, and you can just stay seated right where you are. This is kind of a long passage. Uh, 31 through 46, the parable of Jesus. When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, He will sit on His throne in heavenly glory. All the nations will be gathered before Him, and He will separate the people one from another as a sheep separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will come and say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to to visit you? The king will reply, I tell you the truth, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me. You who are cursed into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. They also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? He will reply, I tell you the truth, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these you did not do for me then they will go away to eternal punishment but the righteous to eternal life yeah so one way to deal with your pride is to serve those who can never pay you back now I'm going to bring Bill Cowan up to speak here in just a moment and give a short testimony. But before we do, let me give uh, some closing thoughts here. Um, I want to give you this, this short passage out of Proverbs 22.4 to just demonstrate the rewards of humility because this is really a motivating passage right here. The rewards of humility and the fear of the Lord are wealth and honor and life. That's why I believe the Lord wanted me to do this series, because if we really seek to walk in true humility, not fake humility, not false humility, but truly seek to deal with the heart issues that make us act the way that we act sometimes, there's rewards to that. And I like the list here, don't you? The rewards of humility and fear of the Lord are wealth and honor and life. That really is in the Bible. If you humble yourself, God will bless you financially. Hallelujah. And bring you honor and long life. For those of you that think that it's more pious to be poor, you came too late to tell me that. 
Because I see this kind of stuff in the Bible all over the place. All over the place. And I am going to be teaching on that in the very near future. So we'll get the, a broader biblical perspective about that. Um, let, me, let me qualify that remark before I bring Bill up. You know, if you're in a financial situation, I don't want to make you feel like, you know, that God is not favoring you because God can bless you regardless of what your financial state is. God can bless you in, in any situation that you're in. But I think that we would, it would be short-sighted to say, well, you know, I, I don't want to grow beyond where I am because I want to stay humble. Mm, folks, it's not humble to say, Lord, I don't want anything more than what I have right now because all I care about is, is us four and no more. I don't care about anybody else. No, God wants to bless you so you can be a blessing to other people. Okay? So that's humility right there is, Lord, bless me so I can be a blessing to other people. Uh, that's another teaching. I'll do that. I'll do that soon. All right. Praise God. Did you get anything out of that today? Hallelujah. You've been listening to the teaching ministry of Pastor Andy Robbins and Blessed Life Fellowship. For more teaching and ministry resources, go to the church website at www.blessedlifefellowship.org. Thanks for listening, and may God's grace and favor shine on you.